Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 157. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to carsyad.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah! Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, Ingrid Stephenson. Ingrid, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. My chin strap's fastened, and I'm ready to go. All right. Great to have you here. Ingrid Stephenson discovered a passion for high-performance driving and a desire to write her first non-academic book about how a professor and a dance mom found her inner speed demon at the racetrack. Her book, Fast Girls Don't Break Until You See the Face of God and Other Good Advice, from the racetrack, I love that title, by the way. Thank you. Is a funny, fast-paced romp through the noise and stink of a male-dominated sport. She went on to become an instructor with the BMW Club, and she's now teaching men how to drive like Juan Manuel Fangio. I think I could take some lessons from you. And she can be found writing for a, w- a wide variety of publications, including the New York Times, Popular Mechanics, and others. Ingrid is a woman who stepped outside of her comfort zone, shrugged off the shackles of suburban conformity, and changed her entire perspective of life through the unlikeliest of means, race car driving. Wow. So Ingrid, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interest, and of course your passion for driving automobiles really fast? Sure. Thank you very much for that great introduction. Um, I was born and raised in small town central Pennsylvania, and cars weren't a big part of my upbringing. My dad is more of a pragmatist and and only sees them as kind of useful tools for getting around in. And so that's what I that's what I grew up with. Um, I guess the only introduction I had or the, the the useful tool that I started with was that I did learn 
uh, how to drive stick shift from the very beginning. And this was not because my dad was an automotive purist, but because, um, well, he was cheap. And (laughs) (laughs) so, so at that point when I learned it was, there was a, um, a manual Plymouth horizon and and just, you know, please, please, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, try not to roll the eyeballs too much and a, um, VW beetle. And that's what I I learned to drive on the VW beetle is a 1976 beetle. Yeah. Red. I love that thing. Oh yeah. Those are cool. And I'm, I'm, I love the fact that you learned how to drive a manual because I've always believed every Every kid should learn to drive a manual as the first step in driving. So that's great. I do too. And in fact, my 16-year-old uh, is learning now. And, um, you know, there, 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 there's a few tense uh, moments behind the wheel, but she's she's getting there. And she's I think she's pretty proud of it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, keep going here. Sure. Um, I went on. I, I became, became very interested in both literature and art, and I, I went on to ultimately get a Ph.D. in art history, and I became a professor of art history, and I, I married my high school sweetheart, hmm. and we moved. <laughs> yeah, we've been married now for 23 years. Awesome. Congratulations. He's he's the best. He's the <laughs> best guy ever. And and I say he plays a very important part in in this story because it it you kind of just go fast forward. He uh, has a career in banking, and I have my professorial career. And we move to um, the suburbs of New York City, and we have our daughter. And um, you know we get settled, and it's all very nice and normal and pretty dull and uh um but he has always liked toys like lots of boys right yeah and once his paycheck started getting a little plumper um he bought um his first performance vehicle and and i don't know i guess the first one we'd call a performance car would be the audi s4 that he had yeah those are great yeah yeah and um yeah there was yellow and the little boy next door called us the, the, the man with the yellow car, like um, Curious George, the man yep. with the yellow hat. Mm-hmm. Then he got really serious and, and got an M3. Nice. And he got hooked by – he took the, the driver's school that the, the BMW offers down at the facility in um, Greenville. Oh, yeah. In South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that was the start of it for him, and he started going to track weekends. And I'm here at home. At that point, we have a baby. And I'm sort of stuck at home with the baby thinking not very nice thoughts about my husband and the cars and everything, thinking this is really, um, you know, pointless. And, uh, and, and, and also, um, you know, I was, I was a little bit begrudging of this whole thing. Yeah. And, and I didn't really get it, to be honest. I thought it was a big waste of time and money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm chuckling because it was the same happening in our house when I decided to go to the track and drive my car fast and get into vintage racing. We had little little kids, and yeah, I'd go off to the track and spend the whole weekend there and spend a lot of time and money. And my wife, Jill, we've been married 30 years now and was home with the little kids. So, yep, I understand. Yep. <laughs> Familiar story, right? Yeah. But here's where it gets a little bit different, it sounds like, uh, in that fast forward about – where are we about seven, eight years later? And our daughter is now old enough that she's not that hard to take care of. And all along the, the 
all along the time, my, my husband keeps saying to me, he says, you know, I think you might like this. You should just come along sometime. And at one point, uh, now it's about, what is it, seven, eight years ago, my daughter is 10 and, and um, easy to stow by her grandmother at the, at the lake. And, <laughs> and uh, so he says, well, you know, why don't you come with me to Watkins Glen? And, uh, and I thought, oh, okay. And I thought, well, it would be really boring just to watch. I had never even been to the track, but it would be really dull to watch, so why don't I give it a try? All right. And, um, yeah, and he had – I had a Mini at that point, a Mini Cooper S manual. Nice. And that's the car I took, and that's where I got hooked. All right. <laughs> I love it. I love that story. So great. It's a little different than when I took my wife to the track. She came home petrified going, I can't believe you do that. That is scariest thing I've ever heard, but <laughs> – I think that's wonderful, and we'll get into how this evolved a little bit more in your life, but I love the story that led up to it. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. And this is something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Ingrid, take the wheel. Well, I would have to go with the one that I chose as the subtitle for my book, Don't Break Until You See the Face of God. Yeah. And uh, that's, it's not exactly very, um, uh, you know, very intellectual there. And maybe, you know, it's not, it's not something you might expect from a college professor. In fact, I saw it on a T-shirt. <laughs> I love it. But, you know, when, when, when you write a book and, and it comes down to choosing a title, I will be honest with you, the publisher chose Fast Girl. That wasn't my idea. Mm -hmm. But they asked me for a subtitle. And I went with Don't Break Until You See the Face of God because it really encapsulates everything that driving and the racetrack did for me, which is that it turned me from a person who had chosen the things to do that were safe, both physically, but also safe for me as a person and a personality. I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm a cautious person. And I went into academe because I, I love it. I, I, I loved the art, the architecture. I loved teaching and all of that. But all of this was stuff that was safe for me as a person. Mm -hmm. And Coming to the racetrack, I discovered that there was someone in there who was willing to take a risk. And, and look, I sympathize with your wife. The first time I went, I was petrified, too. <laughs> yeah. And I was proud of myself that as scared as I was, that I did it anyway. Yeah. That was a big moment for me. I did it anyway. And that may not sound like that impressive to to guys who've always loved to do this but for me it was it was a huge leap for someone who was decidedly not a physical risk taker my my childhood babysitter came to my book launch event in my hometown mm -hmm. and she came up to me she said i can't believe this is you you were the little girl who wouldn't climb trees because <laughs> it was too dangerous oh great great i love you know i love this because Anyone who's driven fast on the track or driven cars fast, they understand that subtitle so well. And I love the way it's incorporated 
you've incorporated into the book and into your life, it makes a world of sense to me. And having race vintage cars, I remember talking to people, how can I go faster? Break later, break later, break later. Yes. And it's like, really? I can do that? Yeah, yeah, I think you can break a little later. Just count 1,001 and then hit the brakes, you know. So, right, right. Yeah. And it's also, it's also for me much bigger than, than the track, and, and that is to push yourself to a moment, to a place where you begin to become uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to include it as the title of my book. You know, this is great in so many ways. I just, I do a weekly blog and my blog this week was about setting smarter goals since this is, or we're recording this right after the new year. And part of that is getting out of your comfort zone, getting into your uncomfort zone. Not so far that you're going to hit a wall, of course. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's great. I love how this is all tying together. And especially with entrepreneurs, a lot of what Carsey has about entrepreneurs facing their challenges, trying to step out of their comfort zone and doing something around their passion. And that's what you did. I love that. You talked a little bit about not being a car girl or into cars when you're younger, but could you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? And maybe it's that moment at the track, but that moment in time when you knew you were a car gal? Sure. It would have to be that, that first time at Watkins Glen. And it, it kind of went like this. In the days leading up, even before we left, I was so nervous. I couldn't sleep. I was, I was having nightmares about it, both, you know, in my sleep and waking nightmares. And <laughs> my poor husband, um, he's the one who invited me along. And he said, well, you don't have to do this. And I said, well, yeah, I do now. I've, you know, I've, I've expended far too much anxiety on it to back out now, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and we get there and I can't eat and I feel like, I, I feel so nervous. I think I'm going to throw up on my shoes. <laughs> and first there's the classroom session and I'm thinking, what the, what the hell am I doing here? I'm mm -hmm. a mom. I'm a college professor. This is ridiculous. And I, I, I got into the car and even even then, I you know my instructor offered to drive the car around first. And I was like, yeah, okay, I can do that. I can sit here, right? I'm watching and I'm looking out the window, and it's all just so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And he says, okay, well, how about you drive your car now? And I'm I'm thinking, oh, I really don't want to drive my car now. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I did. We we pulled into the pits and we swapped seats. And the first day was terrifying. It was overwhelming. I was terrible. I never even shifted because that was just too much. The, the sensory overload for me was, was just, it just went by in a blur. Oh, and we get to date. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really, it was terrifying. Yeah. And we get to day two and we get through the first session and then it starts to rain. Oh and, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm here in my Mini Cooper, and everybody else is driving M3s, right? And it starts to rain harder. And my instructor says, it's okay, we'll be safe. You know, I have a, I have street tires on the car. He says, you'll be safe, I'll tell you what to do. You, know, you break in a straight line, and I'll show you where the rain line is. And I'm thinking, yeah, mm -hmm. okay. And I do as he says. And all the, the whole time I'm thinking, I am the most terrible, slowest person out here. I've spent most of my time with my finger out the window. And then we start going around in the rain, and... All of a sudden, I'm passing people. I passed my first car. Yep. And he says, look, you passed somebody. I said, whoa, <laughs> crap, I really did. Yeah. And uh, the rest of the session, 
I passed a bunch of cars, seven or eight cars, and nobody passed me except there was a Subaru with, uh, you know, all-wheel drive. Yeah. And we got to the end of the session, and, and uh, you know, he said, you did it, and, and you passed people. And, and, he's, and he sees me smiling. He said, I caught you. You enjoyed that, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I did. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is so cool. And uh, you learned so much there, and I'm I'm really proud of you that you went out and faced your fears because that is a scary thing when you first did it. My first day on the track with a driving instructor, at the end of the day, he flipped the car upside down. So you just oh, think, no. yeah, you just think, and it wasn't my car. Luckily, I'd gotten into his car at that point, which was a, another M3. But uh, yeah, you think I would go home and say, okay, that was enough for me. But luckily, I didn't flip my car. He flipped his car, and I got to experience <laughs> that and got that over with. You know. But uh, I think the rain is something that really helps you as a driver because you have to slow down a bit and it teaches you some things that you wouldn't learn in the dry. And you can you can learn to go faster when you go slower first. So and, Exactly. Yeah. And, of course, the difference, as, as my instructor rightfully pointed out, is you can't use all that horsepower right. on, in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. that's awesome. Great story. I love, I love yeah. that you, you, you push through your fears and, and did that. You know, if you watched the movie Rush, you saw James Hunt used to get sick. To a stomach yeah. before every race, too. So you weren't alone. You know, you're just like a <laughs> you're just like a professional F1 driver. We all get nervous before we go on the track. So many times, I'd love to do this now. Is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and and crawl under the hood a little bit here and have you share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you face. It could be in in driving. It could be something else. But the important part of this is how you overcame it and what you learned from it. I would love to talk about that. And I think the it, it really is a bit circular in that here I have to take a little bit of a sideline and, and talk about academia because that's where I was. And I entered the ivory tower, you know, the a- academia at a time when it was undergoing tremendous change. Mm-hmm. And just as a lot of factories and companies in the U.S. started outsourcing Really, academe did the same thing. Universities started outsourcing to adjuncts to teach a lot of their classes so that what happened was that the pool for tenure, tenure track, full-time professorships shrank where the PhDs were, the, the realms of PhDs were expanding. And there, so there just wasn't enough jobs to go around. And I then entered, you know, a metropolitan area where there is just a glut of PhDs. Mm -hmm. So I cobbled together a career that, you know, it it was still, it was still challenging. I still taught at some great places. I was, I was very briefly at Princeton. I was for years at Rutgers. I was for a number of years at Bryn Mawr. So I taught at some wonderful places, but I, was very frustrated because I never had the tenure track, the full-time position that I started out on my career path mm-hmm. wanting. Yeah. And that felt like failure. Mm. That's, uh, that's, you know, it's very hard to face. And, and I, but I just kept doing it because I didn't know how else to define myself. I just kept going back and, and, and I, I kept finding work, but I knew it was never going to progress anywhere. And it was, in fact, the meeting, meeting my new self at the racetrack that gave me the opportunity to see myself in a new light and see that being a professor, and even if I loved it, needn't define me as a person and needn't define my life. It also gave me the courage to 
do something else. And I'm here I'm thinking particularly about the writing. I mean, professors write a lot. Sure. And I've, I've written a lot before this. You might say that our motto is never say I, right? Oh, they, yes. Right? The professor never uses, I did this, I did that, I think this, mm-hmm. I think that. Um, it, it's all, you know, it's about other people. And sure. the professor is someone who, you know, everybody else's life is interesting, not yours. Hmm. And for the first time, I had my own story and my own thoughts, and I thought, I can turn this around, I can do something very different. And for me, that was a big leap of faith to think that I had something interesting to say on my own behalf. And it was an emotional risk to write about my own life and and myself. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. And I loved how it came back around to the cars, of course, since we're on cars, yeah, here, but... (laughs) Fantastic. How about shifting gears here a little bit and go to the other end of the spectrum and have you share a real aha moment in your career? One of those times when you realized, you know what, I think this idea is a good one. This is going to make it. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. Sure. Um, I have, uh, no, that, that's that's a little tricky because I have a couple of different ideas on that. I mean, one one was simply you know what happens? You go to the track and you, you go to these events and then you, you come back home after the weekend is up and you want to grab the next person you see by the shirt collar and say, listen, listen to what I did this weekend. Yes. And <laughs> and, and I, I have a good friend who is also a college professor at a different place and he is an English professor and he listened to my stories and my thoughts and he said, you know, I think there's a book in this. All right. Huh. Yeah. He could be right. Uh Aha. Yeah, uh (laughs) aha. And um, the first thing I did was actually I started doing the the geeky professor thing, and I wrote an article for the Chronicle of Higher Education, which is the, the periodical that is aimed at the university community. And I wrote about what I had learned about being at the racetrack, and it was particularly about what it means for a teacher to suddenly be a student again, mm. for you know to be experienced, and then go into some place, something where you are completely incompetent and not knowledgeable, and how helpful that is to come back to the classroom and be reminded of what it's like to be a student. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! I love that. Uh, how about? proudest moments is there one in particular i'm sure you've had so many but is there one in particular that really stands out definitely one of the times in my life in fact definitely the the most exciting moment uh, where i got to feel like a total rock star was when my alma mater um my phd is from the university of delaware and they invited me this past spring to give the president's lecture nice yeah. And, and, oh, I got, you know, they, they paid for the hotel room and I got a, I got a fruit basket and nobody's ever bought me a fruit basket <laughs> my whole life. Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. It was just very exciting. Yeah. And, and I got invited to do the, the president's lecture, not about my academic accomplishments, but about the driving and what I've learned. And I, I gave a talk about learning about how the brain gives us rewards 
for doing things that are hard, things that are challenging and difficult. And, you know, why, why do we engage in difficult things? And, um, you know, why do people climb Mount Everest or, or search for a cure for cancer? And it's because the brain gives us a powerful reward in the form of dopamine for tackling something new. And, I see that at the racetrack all the time. It's really fun to teach people new skills and to watch their aha lights yes. click on. Oh yeah. And you know, and, and I've had I've made grown men with very successful careers and, you know, very serious people, I've made them giggle out loud because <laughs> they learn something new. Yeah. And then this light goes on and they're like a kid on Christmas morning opening up a new toy. So that's what I talked about at that at that lecture and and being invited to come back to my alma mater and and talk about my racetrack experience was was really just fantastic and that and that people outside the car and the driving community could enjoy what I had to say about it. Ah, fabulous. I love that. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? And perhaps you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Well, there's there's no question that my special car, my first special car is still my beloved Lotus Elise. Ooh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So what happened there is I, I love my Mini. Absolutely love my Mini. In fact, I love my Mini so much that when I had when the first one started getting older, I just replaced it with another one. Mm -hmm. But of course what I did, you know, the first mini that I took to the racetrack, you know what happens. The girl comes home and, and she, she uh, goes to a few racetrack sessions and then she says to her husband, okay, what can I do to make the mini go faster? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. And my wonderful husband, he, he says, well, you know, anything you do to the mini to make it go faster will make it less comfortable for your commuting, your driving. You deserve your own track car. You did marry a great guy. I did. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. He's, he's the guy, you know, he believes what's, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Uh-huh. And, um, and we started shopping. And, I, you know, I think... I think part of it is that he always wanted a Lotus Elise. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, could be. Yeah. Could be. could be. We test drove one, and, and I'll tell you, about 30 seconds later, we whipped out the checkbook. Yep. That was all you needed. The, the needle was in the vein. Oh, oh I, I knew I wanted that car the moment, you know, basically the moment I stepped on the accelerator. And uh, how many years have I had her now? Five years, maybe. I love that car. Yeah. They're great cars. Great track cars, too. The local track here. That Don Kitch, who was a guest on Cars, yeah, runs Performance Driving School, and they've had Lotuses up there in the past and uh, got to drive one of those on their track, and they are awesome. So you picked a great car. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've had in your life that you let go that you wish you could have back in the garage? Only if I sell the Elise. Oh, well, good for you. Well, you're a lucky lady then. <laughs> Hang on to that car. How about current projects? You know, it's a new year here. Is there something that you're working on right now or coming up that really has you excited and fired up? Well, I have a number of projects in the hopper. Um, one is that the the lecture that I gave at the University of Delaware, I'd, I'd love to do more of, so I'm working on, on I, I hope, to, to do more of that. That's a tricky one. Of course, it pushes me even further out of my comfort zone to try to hunt down those opportunities. Sure. Um, but I would love to do more of that. But in terms of being a writer, I have a couple of projects in the hopper. One, I have to 
find the audience for. Um, I would love to write, and I've been working on, a sequel to Fast Girl. Fast Girl covers my first year at the racetrack, going coming from an absolute novice with no real interest in cars to um, it covers the first year so by the end of the book i have my first solo drive nice and i really i loved the whole process of writing and publishing the book and um since i wrote the book i've become an instructor and i would love to write about my experiences teaching others at the racetrack because really you get so many great stories sure and i'm working on a manuscript i've I've got a bunch of it done and it's a question of of finding someone who wants to publish it yeah um and my tentative title is how to teach a man to drive oh goodness okay <laughs> that okay. sounds great oh i can't wait to, can't we get my hands on that one that's super now here's a funny question for you ingrid if ingrid was a car what kind of car would she be and why? Well, I'd like to say a Ferrari, but... <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? I know, right? <laughs> Sexy Italian, you know, just looking great I, and going fast. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I wish. I wish. I suspect, though, it's a little bit more like people and their dogs. I think I probably am my Mini. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, someone who's who's um, small, practical, efficient, mm-hmm. but spunky and stylish and often underestimated so so maybe a little bit of an overachiever that's that's what i think i i would probably i would probably best encapsulate who i am awesome i love that great answer all right ingrid we're entering the last lap you've been on the track the white flag's out so you know what this means time to get the pedal to the metal and i'm going to ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers so you're ready sure What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Definitely, it is looking far ahead. Yep. Best advice ever for both the track and for life. Heads up, heads up. Yep, heard that many times in my earpiece. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes? Yeah, I thought about that one, and I think I I would have to probably answer two parts. One is my enthusiasm. My enthusiasm allows me to throw myself into places, and and I think it's infectious, and and I think it is what excites my students, my readers, my students at the track. And the other one would probably be self-discipline, which I think you just need to get anywhere in life. Yeah, perfect. How about resources? Is there one you could share with us that you're really fond of? Perhaps a website you visit or maybe it's a blog that you get. Well, this would be a little bit of selfless, uh, uh, sorry, (laughs) shameless self-promotion. That's okay. uh, Speed Secrets Weekly, Ross Bentley's uh, weekly e-newsletter. And um, I've gotten to be good friends with Ross and I contribute to it regularly. I'm one of many, however, and I really love all the articles that come through there. It's terrific. It is terrific. And Ross is a great guy. He's been a guest on Cars Yeah here. In fact, he's the one that introduced you to me. And I appreciate that, Ross. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's a great resource. Love that you mentioned that. How about a book, other than yours, of course, but a book that you've read that you really think the Cars Yow listeners should get their hands on? Well, I have to go to Ross Bentley again because I love, love, love Inner Speed Secrets. Oh, yes. And and particularly, I mean, the other Speed Secrets are really great, but it's Inner Speed Secrets because, you know, I'm, well, let's just call it spade a spade. I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm interested in the brain game. Yes. And I think that driving is mostly a brain game. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. So Inner Speed Secrets is probably my favorite book about driving. Ah, great. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. And listeners, you can find all these great resources at carsyeah.com slash Ingrid Stephenson. All right, Ingrid, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. We'll see how you do. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and money is no object, today I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like, what would that one vehicle be and why? It would be a Jaguar E-Type. Ooh. You know, the, the classic old school British racing green convertible. Uh. I have loved those ever long before I ever had any real interest in driving per se. The Jaguar old school E-Type is just, I think, is just the most beautiful car that's ever been designed. I think it's the epitome of the classic sports car. Oh, yes. They are spectacular. In fact, that's the car that's started my passion for cars. My father bought me a little matchbox Jaguar XKE when I was about six years old, five years old at the hardware store. And that's what started it for me too. Those are beautiful. Wonderful. That's the one, the XKE. I love those. Yes, absolutely. Well, Ingrid, you've taken me on a great ride today around the track. I've really had fun and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Jaguar XKE? Thank you so much, Mark. It's been a real pleasure. If I had one parting piece of advice, I guess it would have to be never stop learning. Words never better spoken from a professor, of course, and a driving (laughs) instructor. So that's true. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, about the book you've written? And then we'll say goodbye. Sure. My website is www.ingridstephenson.com. And if you need to figure out how to spell that, it's probably best to look at your website. Yes. And my book, uh, Fast Girl, is available on amazon.com. All right. Well, again, listeners, I'll put links to everything up on Ingrid's show notes page. And you just go to carsyad.com. Type in Ingrid, or if you want to spell her last name, it's S-T-E-F-F-E-N-S-E-N. Ingrid, thank you so much for being so generous today with your time and your expertise, and what a fun ride we've had together today and sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.